Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hey, welcome back to the Laser Therapy Institute podcast. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree. I'll be your host again today, and we are continuing with part two of a discussion between uh, myself and other laser therapy providers, and we're continuing our discussion on research showing negative effects, but we're also expanding this to talk about generally what research can tell us or not tell us about medicine in general. So I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I think you'll enjoy hearing it. There are a lot of links that will be dropped in the show notes for the resources that I'm referring back to. You know, these are these are controversial topics. You might disagree. I hope there's people out there who disagree. I think it's an interesting discussion to have, though, to step back and take a little bit of a critical look at things that we do all the time that maybe don't work. Maybe they're not proven to work. And what that means for the way that we practice as a profession, as healthcare providers. Take a listen. I think you'll enjoy it. So... What else is going on? And does anything we really do work? Does anything work? Like on the spectrum from emergency med to cosmetics. Does any of it actually do anything? Like are we even, are we just wasting our time? What do you think? What do you think, Liz? I think it's both. I think there's Mm -hmm. a lot of money and time wasted. But But you know if somebody, if you do CPR and you bring somebody back. Well, yeah. That's that's worth it. Yeah. You know. Except for. Yeah, I know. There are patients that are back, but they're not really ever normal or the same. Or if you were to ask them if they could talk to you, they would say, let me go. <laughs> so, I don't know. Worse. Mm-hmm. And I just had a conversation, too. Really? So, does anything work? And I, we, we brought it back to his rotator cuff surgery. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're telling me that that terrible shoulder you had, if you had not had yeah. surgery, you think it'd be as good as it is today without surgery? He goes, I do. Really? <laughs> How so? How would he fix strengthen it. I was just going to say that I mean, actually. I know. This tears, a torn yeah. labrum, but yeah. he believes that even without surgery, he would have the same shoulder today, three years later, that if he had just surgery. Doing tons of strengthening and just beefing Yeah, it up. it's interesting. But like you said, if somebody is dead on the table and you do CPR to revive them, like certainly that worked. They're alive, right. but yeah, I know. Or at what cost? I was about surgeries in that case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Hip replacements. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Mm, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I have more data on that. Oh. So, it's a loaded I just, I, it is a loaded question. I think there is a spectrum. We know that if you stabilize somebody with a broken neck and you save their life, that's way better than letting them just die, right? I mean, there's multiple cases where you yeah. are yeah. absolutely doing good. And then there are cases where we are absolutely not doing good. Right. And it is a spectrum, I think. So there's this commentary from American Journal of Medicine from back in 2019 about the case for being a medical conservative. Just a quick quote here. Uh, the medical conservative recognizes that many developments promoted as medical advances offer, at best, marginal benefits. Um, you know, there are definitely strong and unbiased evidence for some things like cardiac resynchronization therapy for patients with systolic heart failure, left bundle branch blocks, um, 
uh, oral anticoagulants for prevention of arterial and venous thrombosis, things like that. But they say most medical decisions, however, come with far less certainty. The BMJ clinical evidence team reviewed 3,000 treatments used in the UK's National Health Service and found that about one half were of unknown effectiveness and only 11% were clearly beneficial. When money is at stake, the risk of hype increases. Not only does that propagate low-value care, but it also erodes public's trust in medical sciences. When genuine benefit exists for an intervention, it easily withstands critical appraisal. Our knowledge and best models only rarely predict the success of a new intervention. We see true medical progress as slow and hard in large part because nature has provided the human body with inherent healing properties. Bodies made to fix itself. We should be helping it out, not just jumping on anything and everything that looks cool or that might work. But we do a lot of things that we say work, but what's the evidence really behind that? Is there, is there really any evidence behind a lot of what we do? What about imaging? Imaging is something that's really cut and dry, right? Should be? Should be. In the United States, we use three to five times more uh, imaging, advanced imaging, CT scans and MRI scans, uh, than Finland in particular, but between country differences probably re reflect wasted overuse. How much is an MRI? Well, two, depends grand. on where you do it. Depends on where you do it. <laughs> you get it in a lot of places, two to three grand. Yeah, but in Coeur d'Alene, I guess not. Spokane, 300 bucks, right? Yep. Isn't that what in, I heard? Or somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah know. and a lot of places can be better. Um, but a lot of times, you know, it exposes patients unnecessarily to risk associated with radiation, contrast dyes, might even find something that doesn't even matter, you know, and then that exposes people to uh, bigger financial and health consequences. But uh, part of the problem, they say, is a lack of clear evidence-based guidance on when imaging is appropriate because these scans, CT and MRI scans, were never subjected to randomized controlled trials. How interesting is that? I never, it never even occurred to me. Right? Didn't occur to these guys either, I guess. This, by the way, this is a, an article from Advisory um, from back in 2019. Performed far more CT and MRI scans in other countries, and there's virtually no evidence that it's helpful. Interesting. Yep. Um, yeah, no real reports on it actually being evidence-based and helpful. Okay, what about this one? What about total knee replacement? We talked about this briefly before. How many high-quality placebo-controlled studies have proven that total knee replacements work? None. Zero. Zero. That's right. Not a single Didn't. one. That's really interesting. We have one study that is not placebo-controlled that says that most of the time knee replacements do lead to improved quality of life and pain reduction to some degree over conservative care. You'll have to admit that that's a pretty hard surgery to study. <laughs> yeah, how would you do a placebo on that one? Yeah, that'd be We're tough. We're not sure if we put a real knee in there. I mean, you could, you could do, you could just do. Open it up. And yep, just a skin incision. Mm-hmm. I know, right? That's probably why they haven't been done. But still, the point is, when we're demanding all these triple-blind placebo-controlled trials to prove that laser therapy helps low back pain, but we're going off of, ah, we don't even need to test a CT or an MRI to see if it's just take useful. The knee out. We'll just, just take the knee out. We don't need studies. Mm -hmm. I never even thought of that. Yep. That's really interesting. Check this out. I know, I know we got to go, but check this out. 
what do you think the evidence level is for total hip replacement? How much evidence do we have supporting the use of that? Four. None. Zero. Nothing has ever compared conservative care to hip replacement. That's crazy. No studies ever. How about lumbar fusion for degenerative disc disease? What is the evidence rating to support that? None. How about uh, carpal tunnel release? Surgeries. One. That one actually has good evidence. Oh, really? It does for severe cases of carpal tunnel. Yeah, that is the only one out of this list. You want to hear the rest of the list? Uh -huh. ACL construction, meniscus repair, meniscectomy, rotator cuff repair, shoulder decompression for impingement, decompression for lumbar stenosis, and then total hip, or sorry, total knee and total hip. All of those are weak or no evidence to support their use. And you them all the time. All the time. All the time. Yep, not even a thought to not doing them. Sometimes. <laughs> What about lumbar fusions? Uh, yeah, we talked about this before. We have talked about this before. I'll read you this quote. This is from um, a uh, systematic review meta-analysis published back in 2014. They say um, there is no significant difference compared to the non-operative group. Long-term also? Tim and I were talking about that at home, and mm -hmm. he was asking about long-term. Yeah, especially long-term. Short-term? Is the only where the only place it shows benefits. Oh really? Mm -hmm. Just because of decreased pain? Yep. But no, no. But on the long term, no there's long -term. no difference between people who got the surgery and who and people who didn't. As far as pain and function? Yep. You're kidding. But we do them all the time. How about cortisone injections? Oh yeah, we know about that. Intraarticular cortisone injections. Well, yeah. We don't know about that. No, we. Yeah, it's poor. Evidence is very, very poor. And do we know that they do damage? Yes, we do. Yep. But give me that triple blind study to really prove that your completely safe non-invasive laser therapy could even help. Yeah, I think we know. What about this one? This is going to be this is going to be rough. Shelter in place policies for COVID. <laughs> Why did you throw that in there? Things we do yep. that don't freaking work. Now, this is preliminary information, preliminary study, all right? I did that. This is from NBER, um, National Bureau, Bureau of Economic Research. Totally we failed to find that countries or U.S. states that implemented shelter-in-place policies earlier and in which shelter-in-place policies had longer to operate had lower excess deaths than countries or states that were slower to implement shelter-in-place policies. We also failed to observe differences in excess death trends before and after the implementation of shelter-in-place policies based on those pre-COVID death rates. We do a lot of crap that doesn't work, and then we are just overly demanding on things that we know are safe, that we know have good evidence, like laser therapy. We're all upside down. So if you follow money, if you follow the money, it will lead you to the truth on most of this stuff. Comments, thoughts, questions? Yeah. Yep. So I'm already working on the appeal letter based off these papers that I know we're going to get denials for, um, for people with low back pain. And we're going to see more stuff like that coming out in the next few years where it is a well-designed trial that's hard to argue the trial, 
but then pulls the conclusion the that, yep, you're going to have to look at the details, going to have to see who's funding it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, yep. As you hear about studies, bring them to me. I'll be happy to look over them. I'll be happy to keep bringing you studies like this, too. Cool? Cool. Cool. All right. I, I hope you enjoyed being able to listen in on that discussion. You know, there are a lot of resources I referred to. You're going to find links to those in the show notes. Again, this is some controversial stuff. There are points I made I'm sure that people will disagree with. I would love to hear from you. What do you think? Send me an email, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org, and let me know. Or if you want to hear more about a particular subject, also let me know. If you haven't yet, if you would leave us a rating or review on this podcast, that would be very, very helpful. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. I'd love to have some constructive feedback from you. And the more ratings and reviews that we have, the easier it is for other healthcare professionals to find this resource. If you want to connect with a network of laser therapy experts, you should check out LTI memberships. LTI memberships give you not only access to multiple laser therapy experts in the field, but also the protocols and settings and procedures that make this whole thing work in a clinical setting. Laser therapy can be a powerful tool, not only for patient results, but also for practice growth. You should check us out. You should take a look at some of the free resources that we offer. Those are linked in the show notes as well, or just go to our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. Click on the resources tab. There's a ton of free stuff there that can help you and your practice and your patients get more out of their laser therapy care. Thanks very much. I'll see you here next week. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.